Well, hello again, everybody. It's good to have our listeners back with us today. And once again, we have somebody special in the studio with us, and that is Tony Parsons. Hello, Tony. Hello, Iris. Good to be with you again. Oh, great. That sounds like you're doing good. Okay. I've just got a little bit of of, uh, ministry I want to run through here, and I think Tony is going to bring us an, an interesting study. So... Let's just say again, hello to all our listeners. Thank you for coming back and joining us. You know, again, I'll say that you're getting more and more like family every time we speak because our family out there is growing. And it's good to know that you're here and we're on the air together. Soon we're going to have a phone-in situation or, or development so that we'll be able to converse with you live as well. And that's going to be exciting. So just for now then, we'll stick with the recording and uh, have a look at what is going on at this particular time. Well, most of you probably realise that the Jewish New Year has just about begun. And so with just a little bit of teaching around that, I think, just a little bit of interest. Because one of the things that they're currently teaching is the Nitzavim, and it, that is that translates, you are sending. I love the way that the Hebrew has one word and it means so much. And one of the verses that, that is going around for, for this time at this, this particular next few days is the one on you are standing. Today, in the presence of the Lord your God, you are standing here in order to enter into a covenant with the Lord your God. And then you find that written in Deuteronomy 29, verses 10 to 12. Recently, we concluded with Moses telling the people that 40 years after they had attained nationhood, they still had not acquired a heart to know, eyes to see and ears to hear. All that Adonai had done for them throughout their wilderness journey. So the Lord confronts the people to choose now, during this time of Rosh Hashanah, that his way of life and blessings, or the pagan way of death and curses, he presents both and you can choose. We're free to choose the good, and we're also free to choose the bad. Life and good, or death and evil, they're two very dramatically opposed choices. Just as a good father might instruct his son or daughter as to the best decision to make, God implores his children always to choose life. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 puts it this way, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, Blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. And this particular verse probably provides an incredible insight into the purpose of the Old Testament. God gave the scriptures to us as a guide so that we know what is good and what is evil. Nevertheless, it is up to us, each of us, to either live according to God's word by accepting the good and rejecting the evil, or to do the other thing and live according to the dictates of your own heart and the current cultural perspective 
or, if you like, worldwide view. This is the concept of free will that God has given to mankind. In fact, one ancient Jewish Bible commentator, his name was Rashi, cites a story in the oral tradition, that's the Nidah, if you look at the, um, the Hebrew side of that, it's about the angel responsible for conception who asks God whether the child will grow up to be strong or weak, wise or foolish, rich or poor. The angel, however, never asks God if the child would become wicked or righteous. Since God may determine the circumstances of one's life, but the decision to choose the good path or the evil one has been left up to man's own free will. While it's not possible to control all the circumstances that affect our lives, we can determine how we will react to them. It might be easier to be happy or be nice when everything is going well, but there is no guarantee that we would be happy or nice even in the midst of good times. Likewise, tragic circumstances do not have to shake us from our firm foundation so that we lose faith in God and become miserable and bitter. One Messianic Prophecy Bible team member tells the story of an older woman whose son had passed away from cancer, leaving behind a lovely young wife and three small children. And, and she quotes, They were an observant, orthodox Jewish family, and I wondered how they would re react to such a terrible tragedy. And she said, it was then that I overheard the woman speaking to a friend on the phone. And her words were full of only honour toward God, frequently uttering, Baruch Hashem. That is blessed be his name. I wonder how often we as Gentile believers or even non-believers would think of blessing God in our own time of distresses. It reminded me of how Job was able to say, he gives and he takes away, Baruch Hashem. So what, what he's saying there is, the Lord gives and takes away, but blessed be his name. That's really putting our hands, isn't it, Tony, right into God's, and really, that is real submission because whatever happens, God is in control. Mm. Although we might expect that a person would be incapable of acting in kind, moral, humane ways under such terrible conditions, um, a guy called Viktor Frankl he reports in his book that he was not the case, that this was not the case. He observed many examples of heroic individuals. This is during the Nazi concentration camp times. He said that these men offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken away from a man, but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. Most of us will never have to endure such brutal conditions. But each one of us will be presented with choices throughout our lives. 
Looking at Deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 2 and 3 again. When you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and with all your soul according to everything I command you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where he scattered you. Well, really, we're looking at the love of God on how much love he has for us as human beings, but for his overall creation. And the fact that those who have troubles do not have to succumb to fear. Tony, what are your views on love? You said earlier that uh, God is in control. We have to, I think we should start from the point that uh, when he made man, he made, it in, made him in his image. And God has a free will, that meant man has a free will. And so God has the last word. He will have the last word in closing down planet Earth and bringing a new Earth and a new heaven. But in the meantime, he has given us a free will. And you mentioned choice. And that's important, that we have a choice. And we have certain things to do. I mean, you know that under the old covenant, God set out a series of laws and expected man to follow them. He took uh, the Israelites out of bondage and took them to the promised land. But he didn't make them go in. He said, there it is. Go and have a look. The spies went in and came back and said, oh, science, we can't go in. And so he didn't make them. He didn't force them to do something. He said, OK, well, if you don't want to go in, there's a nice desert out there. You can walk around for 40 years. And of course, during that time, they all died off. Those who didn't have the faith to go in. And so clearly, if you want to come into that promised land, which is God's plan for all of us, the promised land, the comfortable life, as it were, if I might reinterpret it in that way, is open to all of us. God's blessings, God's provision is open to us. But we have to use faith. We have to trust God and we have to believe that God is who he says he is. We have to believe that he will do what he says he will do. People who just live their own lives will find that those blessings that God has talked about will not come automatically. It's, it is true that God does a number of things out of love and out of mercy for people, but he won't interfere if you choose to live your own life your own way. He won't interfere. He will let you do it. If you choose to sin, he won't stop you. So we have that choice. He said, I lay before you blessings and cursings, death and life. Therefore, choose life. And that's a choice. Now, those of us that have chosen life and who want to um, walk by faith, I'm going to look at that scripture a little bit later, then we need to learn about faith. 
And I'm going to start with that scripture, which I mentioned last time I spoke, which is Mark 11.22. Jesus said, have faith in God. And also that we know from another scripture that God is love. So I've reinterpreted that. I've put the two together and said, have faith that God loves you. And that is so important. To believe that God wants you to have good things. He wants you to be healed if you're not well. He wants you to prosper if you are poor. He wants you to have the things that you've longed for. He wants to give you the desires of your heart. Um, I think we should look at a few scriptures just to build up a bit of a picture on this because please don't ever trust what I say. Put your faith entirely in God. If, if I or any other preacher says something which can't be proved from the word of God, then treat it very cautiously and maybe even totally reject it because God's word is our rock. God is our rock and his word is our light and our lamp to follow the path that he has for us. So let's have a look at um, Philippians 4.19. This is a great promise that Paul gave to the church at Philippi and he says and all my readings today are from the Amplified Bible so if it looks a little different in your own one then you'll understand why and my God will liberally supply fill to the full your every need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus that tells you that that's what his plan is he will give you the things that you need. He will supply your needs. Great. How come we are so needy? Ah, let's look back at verse 15. And you Philippians yourselves well know that in the early days of the gospel ministry, when I, that's Paul speaking, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me and opened up a debit and credit account in giving and receiving, except you only. Ah, there's a clue. You see, this church, Paul was able to say, my God will meet your needs. Was there a condition? I believe there was. They had opened up an account with Paul and through Paul, with God, that they gave into his ministry. And then Paul was able to say, because you have given, God will meet your needs. Have a look at Galatians 6, 7, chapter 6, verse 7. Excuse the noise of the pages as I fumble through them. I think them. they sound lovely. <laughs> yes, I like the sound of paper too. I'm going to read just the end of Galatians 6, 7. For whatever a man sows, that and that only is what he will reap. Sowing and reaping is 
a very fundamental principle in the spirit realm. God mentions it time and time again. Jesus talked about sowing seed and falling on different kinds of ground and being when it falls on good ground it takes root it grows well and you get a multiplication you get 30 60 or 100 fold return farmers generally know about sowing seed and it producing much more than they've sown so that they have enough to sow the following year and eat themselves and sell to make money for their needs So, sowing and reaping is very important. And Paul was saying to the church at Philippi, you've sowed, so you will reap. It's a fundamental principle. Now, we don't just want seed. We want all sorts of things. So then, it comes down to a lifestyle. If you go to church, a good church, the pastor will be very interested in your life. And pastors and vicars and priests will often be saying how to be a better person. Most of the New Testament is talking about becoming a better person. And as a general principle, we would say we need to be more Christ-like. Jesus is our example. He lived his life loving people, meeting their needs, helping them, and pointing them in the direction of God's kingdom. And we need to be doing the same. Let's look back at God's provision for us again. Look at Psalm 91. I love that psalm. It is one of the good ones, isn't it? It's a psalm of life, isn't it? Yeah. Now the Amplified Bible puts a little twist on it. I want to read from verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. Mm. He is talking there about provision for your life, remaining stable and fixed, because Part of the provision for your life is an absence of problems, an absence of things that can't be overcome. I'm not saying for a moment that you won't have problems. I'm going to come on to that later. No, we're talking about generally having peace in your life, having protection in your life, remaining stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty. This is God's protection. This shadow means you're that close to him that he is able to protect you. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. We need God to be our fortress. My God, on him I lean and rely, meaning for his provision and his blessing, and in him I confidently trust. Trust is very important. It goes hand in hand with faith. Now the Amplified adds this, for then he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. That's a person that catches things. We don't want to be caught, we don't want to be trapped, we don't want to be ensnared. 
and from the deadly pestilence. We don't want pestilence, disease, sickness, disability. We don't want that. Verse 4, then he will cover you with his pinions and under his wings shall you trust and find refuge. These are blessings. His truth and his faithfulness are a shield and a buckler. That's, a, I believe, a smaller shield. It's the word then in verse 3 and verse 4. It's then, meaning if you meet the conditions of verses 1 and 2, if you dwell in the secret place, if you say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. When do we say that? Well, when we say our prayers. Father, God, I trust you. Thank you for looking after me. That's a prayer. When you sing songs to God in church, the hymns, the choruses, saying how much we appreciate what God is doing for us, how much we love him, how much we are trusting him, how much we want our lives to be part of his plan, to be guided by his Holy Spirit. We are dwelling in the secret place of the Most High God. So, God's love, he has a path to take to get to you. I, I don't want to put too much emphasis on it being conditional, as if you've got to fulfill a certain set of rules. But on the other hand, it's about as conditional as you opening a Christmas present. Right? <laughs> you get a Christmas present, you've got to open it. There's a condition. If you don't take the wrapping off, you're never going to get the gift that's inside. And so there is a certain procedure to follow to get the Christmas present. You have to take the wrapping off. You've got to take it out of its box, usually. So there is a condition. So it's not a, not a big deal to say that God wants you to dwell in the secret place or to say of the Lord, he is um, my refuge and my fortress. He's simply saying, this is how you get it. This is how he has built this environment, this world that we live in. You know, there's, there's so many conditions in life. I mean, I drive a car and I know that one of the conditions of driving that car is being able to, first of all, have a driving license and insurance. I need petrol in the car. I need an ignition key in my car anyway. And I have to put the key in and turn it and start the engine, etc., etc. There are things you have to do if you want to drive the car. Conditions have to be met. And we don't say, oh dear, that's not fair, or that's a problem. No, we just say, okay, well, I'll, I'll get a driving license, I'll pass my test, I'll buy a car, I'll pay for insurance, and I'll meet the conditions of the car. Electric vehicles, of course, have got to be charged. They won't run on empty. You've got to charge the battery, etc. So let's just think that these things that God is saying is he is showing us how to make faith work. Let's have a look at something else now. I wonder, we've looked at what he is saying, if you dwell. There is something about God's provision that I want to mention at this point. God so loves us that he is, wants to put his spirit in us. And when we're born again, when we accept Jesus as Lord and Saviour, his Holy Spirit comes to live within us. And it's his spirit that gives us life. So 
you have to imagine, if you're a Christian, that God is right inside, that God knows your thoughts. And if he knows your thoughts, he knows everything about you. He knows what you're thinking. Then the other aspect is that God knows not only what you're thinking now and what's happening now, he knows all your history. And strangely enough, he knows all your future. That takes a bit of thinking about. Because in Psalms, there is a, a passage which talks about God knowing your future and your past. He knows the whole thing. We know that God can look at the future from all of his prophecies. We know that in the Old Testament, he prophesied that Jesus would come. In the New Testament, you've got the book of Revelation. He's prophesying what's going to happen in the future. I mean, a lot of that future is now. And he's telling us what is happening now. So he knows the whole thing. He knows all of your life. Now, I have found that as I dwell in the secret place of the Most High, as I offer prayers in the morning when I get up and I come down to this room and I pray and I seek God, I'm living with him and his Holy Spirit is living with me. And you know what? I'm finding that God is answering prayers that I haven't even made. Now, I've just come back from holiday and we went to the city of Bath in the West Country. We had an apartment and it was very close to the city centre and it's surrounded by roads that are full of cars. Now I prayed that all would be well for us before we went and that God would bless us. And sure enough, when we get there, we pulled up almost exactly outside the house. There was one space for one car outside our house. All the other streets were filled with cars. We would be, to go along with this apartment, we were given a special permit. There was a computer thing. We had to give them our um, license plate and they entered it into the computer and that said, okay, now you're okay to park. Great, so we could park as long as there's a space. And the, the agent who showed us into the apartment said, well, I see you've got your car outside. I wouldn't move it if I were you because parking spaces around here are Gold dust. Like gold dust. Yeah. They're very rare. So I said, well, I'm sorry, but I have to come visit friends. We've got places to go. So we, after a day or two, we went to visit a friend, drove out. And when we drove back, there was a space. It wasn't outside the flat. It was just across the road. Next day, we went to another place, a museum. And we were going to come back. And this would be the last time we would drive the car. I pulled up near the apartment I could see the apartment in the distance my and I looked down the road there didn't seem to be a space so I stopped where I was I thought hey this is not too bad a couple of hundred yards from the front door oh ye of little faith <laughs> I could say to myself my wife got out the car walked down the road towards the apartment she said no no there's another space I drove down the road and it was exactly outside the apartment such that the back of the car which I would be loading with the luggage was exactly opposite the gate that led to our apartment. 
Now, the rest of the street is full. <laughs> so I'm thinking, I didn't ask for that specifically. I had prayed that God would look after me. So God was meeting my needs without me even saying, please, God, give us a parking space. He does that time and time again. I have many stories where God has provided things which I didn't even ask for. That's the kind of God he is. On the other hand, bad things can happen. Um, recently, I parked this same car in a car park in a shopping centre and when I got out the car was damaged the, the doors had been dented such that I need a new door <laughs> so pretty bad but drivable just before I went on holiday so I was more sad than usual but I said to the Lord about this how can bad things happen and he gave me the impression of an iceberg. He said, you know how an iceberg floats in water, that there's a little bit above the water and a great big bit, six-sevenths, I believe it is, below the water. So he was saying, little things like this can happen. It's a dent to the door, the insurance will cover it, and it will get repaired. But a lot more bad could have happened. I think when things happen to us, a lot of the time we can wonder, is God still looking after us? Well, I would say those of us who are Christians, those of, our walk, those of us who are walking by faith, yes, some things get through our defence, some things happen, but still... We need to thank God. We need to be saying, yes, but God has shielded us from the large amount of iceberg. I mean, mostly, if you're going to hit an iceberg that's floating in water, it'll be the bit that's below water that's going to do the damage. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. So it's not as though we don't have problems. But then he said, but fear not, I have overcome the world. So he's given us an opportunity to say, I still trust God. Even though some small bad thing has happened, thank God it wasn't worse. Thank God my car, for instance, isn't a write-off. Thank God it can be repaired. Thank God he's given me the money to pay for the excess on the insurance, as inevitably there is an excess. You have to pay something towards the cost of the repair. Well, thank God he is going to provide me with that. So, when little things happen, still praise God. No matter how big it is, it may not be so little. But thank God it wasn't worse. Thank God you're still alive. Stay in faith. Stay in faith. Stay close to God. There's a series of verses that start in Habakkuk in the Old Testament, chapter 2, verse 4. It must be very important because God's repeated it in Romans 1.17 and in Galatians 
verse 11. The just shall live by faith. Amen. The just are those of us who have accepted that Jesus has paid for our sins. And so we've been justified. We have been put right with God. So that's us. We should live by faith. Faith affects nearly everything we get from God. All the blessings are received by faith. Going into the promised land which would cover everything to do with your life is received by faith. Now, therefore you might want to think, okay, how can I make my faith grow? How can I have more faith? There is a classic... Um, verse, which I want to look up now, Romans 10.17. And uh, if I can just read that. So, <laughs> a lot of sentences start with so these days, but anyway, here it is in scripture. So, faith comes by hearing what is told. And what is heard comes by the preaching of the message that came from the lips of Christ the Messiah himself. So faith for salvation would come that way, but faith for other things come that way. And so you, we have heard this so many times, and you have a lot of people who have, well, certainly a lot of people have taught me about faith. But I looked at it slightly differently the other day when I read the verse that precedes it. Verse 16. But they have not all heeded the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed or had faith in what he has heard from us? That's Isaiah 53 verse 1. So, faith comes by hearing. Is it always received? If you're hearing these scriptures now, are you receiving them? Are you thinking, yes, that applies to me? Are you taking hold of it? Are you making a note, a mental note or a physical note on paper? Are you thinking, yes, I want to work this in my life. I want to live by faith. I want to live this way. I want to live God's way. Faith comes by hearing. It's up to you to receive it. You might argue that that makes it conditional. Well, there we are. Blessings have to be received. Christmas presents have to be opened. You have to hear this. Now, there is another principle in the Bible that everything should be confirmed with two or three witnesses. So let's look at eight. Uh, sorry, Luke chapter 8, verse 18. 8.18. Yeah. Luke 8.18. This is Jesus speaking. Be careful, therefore, how you listen. For to him who has spiritual knowledge will more be given 
he goes into the negative as well. And from him who does not have spiritual knowledge, even what he thinks and guesses and supposes that he has will be taken away. So he's saying, let me repeat the first bit, be careful therefore how you listen. In church services on a Sunday morning, say, it's so easy to be a little dozy. I, I watched the people this, on Sunday morning this week in my church and there was a few of us, including me, who were yawning a little, struggling to stay focused on what the preacher was saying, our pastor. So we all know that it, if it's a long sermon, a long message, it can be difficult. But Jesus is simply encouraging us be aware that it is possible to not hear. Faith is coming, but how you hear is important. Be careful how you listen. Or you could say maybe who you listen to, do you think? There is another verse in another gospel which covers that exactly. Mm. Yes, Iris. He says, be careful what you listen to. So Jesus himself covered it in two ways. When it comes to faith, you can have negative words and you can believe them. People will say to you, perhaps, you'll never be able to do that. You might say to yourself, I can't do this. Or you might say to yourself, look, this thing is wearing out. It looks like it's going to break down. So you can put faith into the negative. You can hear criticisms and say, well, that must be true then. You can hear things on television and on radio, in music, which are negative, and you might start believing them. Sometimes you don't even notice how negative these influences are. So yes, it's very important to be careful what you watch, what you listen to, what you're hearing about yourself or about other people, because it will rub off. It will have its effect. Faith comes by hearing. Now remember that fear is faith that something bad will happen, something that can do you harm. That's what fear is. Fear is the same as faith. It's just employing the spiritual principle in a negative way. And fear comes. There are lots of movies, TV films and programs and drama that are full of fear. And if you continually watch them, fear will come to you. And then when someone says, oh, let's go and do this great thing, you'll say, oh, no, I couldn't do that. Oh, no. Fear is operating. Fear will stop you doing even the most simple task. If you feel you're going to fail, if you feel that some harm will come to you, if you feel that you might be misinterpreted in some way and perhaps your social standing might be reduced, that's fear. Mm. It's a faith that something will do you harm. When God says, have faith, he's saying, have faith in the good things. Jesus said, have faith in God. God is good. Not the God of this world, who is Satan. Don't have faith in him. Don't trust him. He's a liar. 
He only wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. He is a real character, a real spirit. He has power. Don't let him have any power over you. You can resist him. That's one of the uses of faith. Paul in Ephesians describes the armour of God and he says put on the armour of God. One of those items is a shield of faith. Notice that faith as such is not an offensive weapon. It's a defensive weapon. It's going back to Psalm 91. God is our fortress. It's believing that God is our fortress that enables him to be our fortress. Having faith in him is a shield. And so you need to exercise faith to shield you against these natural attacks that will come. Remember the story of Job. Job was attacked because Satan was trying to prove a point with God. Satan hates everybody because we're made in his image. He attacks some people more than others. But he wanted to prove something to God. Now, God gave him some limits up to a certain point. You can injure him, you can take things from him, but you can't kill him. And so Job endured things. And in the process, we have the book of Job, which can teach us a great deal about ourselves, the way we think, about how we should think, because Job all the while trusted that God was right and good. He kept faith in God. So we need to be like that. One of the um, examples of what God is like can be found in the very first book in the Bible, in Genesis. It might be worth looking at that one as well, Genesis chapter 3. It only occurred to me as I was looking at this verse that it's even more remarkable when you consider what had just happened. God had made man in his image. He split him up into male and female and we have Adam and Eve. He's saying... Don't eat that fruit of that tree. They chose to disobey. They listened to the voice of the serpent, which is another version of Satan. They chose to do that. Adam, in particular, was not deceived, it says in the New Testament. Adam was not deceived. He knew what he was doing. He chose to sin. Now, that separated him from God. One of the other descriptions of God is that God is holy. One is that he is love, which I said earlier. God is love. Another one is that God is holy. And because God is holy, he can't have anything unholy in his presence. It's just not going to happen. So he had to separate himself from that intimate relationship with Adam. God said to him, if you do this thing, 
eat of this fruit, you will die the same day. So we know that Adam died spiritually. He was separated from God. That meant that when he produced children with Eve, who was also separated from God, they were all born separated from God. They were all born not spiritually alive. Jesus has to come along and through Jesus we can have this new life. Jesus says, I am the life. And so through Jesus we can get this life back. We can have our spiritual relationship with God restored. So because of this tremendous sin and the tremendous effect that it had, how upset would God be? Think about it. If you were God and you'd just made somebody in your image and you said, don't do this one thing. You can eat from the other tree. I've got fruit here. I've got a beautiful garden to live in. The temperature's perfect. Everything is just great. You can live and breathe and have children and make multitudes of people. You can have a vast family. And if you don't eat of that tree, you can eat the tree of life and live forever. So what an amazing place God had built for Adam. What an amazing situation he'd set him up in. You can't imagine a better place. How upset would you be if Adam made that choice? As upset as it's possible to be. What did God do? Did he still talk to Adam? Yes. What did he do after he'd said to Adam, there are consequences for your sin. You're going to have to work and till the soil and it's going to produce thistles. Your wife will have pain in childbirth. And he had a, a special thing for the devil. Then what did he do? Verse 21. For Adam also and for his wife, the Lord God made long coats or tunics of skins and clothed them. You remember that when Adam heard God looking for him in the Garden of Eden, he hid because he knew that he was naked. He'd lost the glory that clothed him and Eve. The glory went when he sinned. He was clothed with glory. He wasn't naked to start with. But when he sinned, he lost that. And therefore he could see his body exposed. He knew he was naked. And he knew that God was there. And he didn't want him to see him, so he hid. God took that into account. He clothed that nakedness. Even though you can imagine how upset God was. His love was greater than that sin. The biggest sin of all time, you could imagine. The biggest sin which had such far-reaching effect for generation after generation. All men produced in that image, that fallen state. Born spiritually, separated from God and dead. You would think that God would be so upset, perhaps so angry, that he would really want to destroy Adam. What does he do? 
he makes him a new coat out of skin. So, shall we say a fur coat? Almost certainly. And he clothed him. This is a made-to-measure suit of skins. He clothed Adam and Eve, both of them. That's how much God loves you. He's not upset with the things that you've done. That have been great sins. He wants to forgive you. He so loved you that he sent his only son Jesus. He came himself in the form of a human being. And he died on the cross and paid for your sin. Because he wants to forgive you. He wants to restore you. He wants to provide for you. So, you can have faith in God. You can ask him for parking spaces. You can ask him for a car to park in a parking space. You can ask for the things that you need. But as soon as possible, in your situation, get into the path that God has for you. Get into... Asking God, what do you want me to do for you? Start putting something into that account. You know, in modern day banking, a lot of banks will say, if you transfer your account to us, we'll give you £100. Just to encourage people to transfer. Or we'll give you some other gift. If you take out an insurance policy, we'll give you a free television or something. If you take out a life policy. They want to get your business. God, first of all, clothed this man with skins. He will bless you. When I first prayed, God answered my first prayer. Just to say, I'm here. I can answer that. Because I was seven years old. You know, my prayer was a very simple one. God meets you where you're at. He will do some things for you even before you ask. But he wants you to get in that pathway. Amen. Get in that union with him. Become one with him. Find out what it is that he wants to give you and ask him for that. The best Absolutely. prayer of faith you can give, you can make is to say, Lord, let your will be done. Amen. That's not the minimum. That's the greatest. Yeah. Because God's will for you is for really great things. Trust him. He wants to give you the best. He certainly does, Tony, doesn't he? I mean, you know, I was just looking at some of my notes and although we're nearly towards the end of the program for today, a lot of believers think it's very hard to, to just obey God and keep the commandments. But in actual fact, God makes provision for that. And he says that now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. The word is very near you. It's in your mm. mouth. It's in your heart. And so you may obey it. Again, the, the choices that we were talking about. But also, choosing life entails loving God with all our heart, mind, soul and strength and listening to the voice of his Holy Spirit as well as keeping his commandments. But by doing so, it's the very best choice we could ever make because this is our life, not, not necessarily our spiritual life in the world to come, because it, it is so, but it also means it's for today, 
for living, for all of the things, as Tony was saying, all the practical things of mm. life, yes. the physical, the material, the emotional rewards, mm. such as long life, prosperity and success for today. And I think one of the greatest things is to know that we can live our life probably fuller than we could ever imagine if we would just take that trust in God. It's interesting also to know, Tony, that mm. long life to a Jewish person, because they always say l'chaim, to yeah. life, is actually 120 years. <laughs> and when you look back over the Bible, uh, you know, the, the old Bible days, people lived to hundreds and thousands of years old. Mm. And then God cut down our, our, our lifestyle a bit. And, and But, you know, people are living longer today than they have been in past years. Mm -hmm. And I, it is my belief that the more you are attached to the word of God, the more you trust, the more you hear, the more faith you have, the easier your life is to actually exist because everything is taken care of for you. Mm. And to believe that. You actually extend your own life. I fully believe that. Yes. Health-wise. Well, you know, it's been lovely listening to you again. I always enjoy listening to you. And I always know it's Thank going you. to be good. And I know we're going to do this again at some point. But, you know, just for now, we're going to have to say goodbye to everybody and look forward to you coming back with us again soon. Remember to tune in to all the other radio stations, especially Kent Christian Radio at 4pm on Sundays, when you will hear our recordings going out then. But also to Thanet Christian Radio, which is the on the community channel. Thanet Community Radio is running 24-7. And you'll be able to listen and recap on what Tony and all the other people have been talking about over the course of the months that we've been bringing this Our God channel to you. So it's bye-bye from Iris for now. And, and goodbye from me too. Oh, Tony, bless you. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.